everyone and welcome back to our 21st episode of the World of Heritage. My name is Stephanie and here with me is Nilofa. We are students of the World Heritage Studies program at the Brandenburg Technical University. And we started this podcast as our study project for this semester's Queering the Narratives course organized by our lecturer, Mrs. Caitlin Williams, which we also had an interview with for the 12th episode. In each episode, we have a new guest from the BTU Heritage community. And today we are excited to get to know Maria Konievich a little bit more. Maria is from Montenegro. She has started her academic studies in the field of tourism management from 2011 to 2015 at the University of Montenegro. After traveling as a freelancer for some time, she started Master of World Heritage Studies at the BTU in 2018. She did an exchange semester for five months in winter 2019 with the Carthage University in Tunisia. As for her first study project, World Heritage as Movie Set, led by Dr. Brita Rodolf and Nicole Franceschi. She participated in an excursion to the famous island of Scaling Michael, which is known from the movie Star Wars. In 2020, she was a coordinator for the European Heritage Training Course organized with the Burghauptmannschaft Österreich, conservation and restoration of the sculptures at the Upper Belvoir Palace Complex. Maria's extracurricular experience is quite extensive, from participating in a summer camp from the Cultural Heritage Without Borders Albania to volunteering at the Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro in 2016. Thanks, Maria, for meeting us. We are excited to learn more about you. How are you? Thank you, girls, for having me. I'm also excited to talk to you today. And yeah, I've been doing good. <laughs> Thanks for asking. All right, let's start. So, Maria, what led you to study tourism for your undergrad degree? Well, uh, let's say that like from a young age, I was always surrounded by people who are working in tourism because I'm coming from yeah, a town that really lives from tourism industry. And also my both parents worked in hotel management. So from a really young age, I was also surrounded uh, with the people who are working in their hotel. And I was giving keys and, uh, you know, talking to the guests. And um, I sort of found my road to tourism industry just naturally. I also never, I always knew that I, I'm not interested in, in maths, physics, or chemistry. <laughs> so I sort of uh, took refugee towards tourism. And um, yeah, that was more or less my, my main motivation, but also like this, the fact that tourism is so versatile um, was one of the, the aspects that led me to actually study it. Great. Talking about your home country, Montenegro, can you tell us more about it? What are the must-sees and must-dos there? Well, it's, it's always funny because uh, when I started uh, traveling, I realized that a lot of people doesn't know that a country called Montenegro exists. So I have been often asked, like, is it really a country or is it a village in Spain? So uh, I feel like, yeah, a road of introducing Montenegro to the world has been uh, one of my principal roles. Montenegro is a super small country, yeah, with not a lot of population. I mean, we are just 600,000 people, so quite limited edition. But when it comes to the richness and aspect of culture and nature, it's it's hard to 
you know, say what everything is out there. What I love about Montenegro and what I would always suggest people to do is go for a hike in the mountains. We have five national parks and uh, we also have the exit to the sea, to the Adriatic Sea. So I think that's one of the biggest strengths of Montenegro, the fact that like you can take a swim in the morning and then drive a car for an hour and do a hike on the mountain and enjoy some really good homemade meals and uh, a good glass of homemade wine. I think Montenegro is a really special place in the sense that it really offers you a different lifestyle. When you go there, you definitely have to slow down a bit because you know, everyone takes their time, whatever we are doing, whether it's just drinking a coffee with friends or, you know, uh, sitting next to the sea. So yeah, I think like it's it's a really wonderful place. And I would always suggest people to um, go there. And um, maybe I would uh, suggest doing, you know, the rafting on Tara River. The Tara Canyon is one of the deepest in Europe and it's known for its almost turquoise uh, color of the water. Yeah, I mean, whoever plans to visit Montenegro just can reach out to me and I will definitely do my best to be a good representative of the country. I will probably come back to that offer. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Since you traveled to more than 30 countries, do you remember a certain incident where a heritage site impressed you the most? That's a hard one because I visited a lot of heritage sites and um, it's really hard to pick just one. But there was one actually site that literally took my breath away. Um, I was uh, hiking uh, with my sister in, uh, it's a natural uh, site. It's uh, uh, called Colca Valley in uh, Peru, in Andes. And uh, it's on, like you start the hike from a really high point around 4,000 <laughs> meters and then you go down to three and something and um, I mean with such high altitude comes altitude sickness and I thought that I'll be just fine <laughs> but uh, unfortunately I had a bit of almost loss of consciousness I mean in that sense it literally took my breath away uh, but I mean the the site itself besides my small incident is an amazing place, as I said, in the Andes. And it's one of the places where you can see a lot of condors. And uh, I mean, the way people live there, it's also quite amazing. There is a lot of these uh, terrace hills for agriculture. It was just an amazing experience. So, I mean, Colca Value in Peru is a place that I always remember as, beside my little incident, as, as a place that's just an incredible clash of, you know, people and and the culture as well as the nature. Since you also traveled a lot, how did you find all these experiences and how could you reach to them? Well, uh, I mean, I think the, the fact that I'm like a naturally curious person led me to experience so many things. And uh, of course, I always uh, tried to uh, contribute for the causes that I cared for. And that was also one of my main motivations to participate in a lot of extracurriculum experiences, whether it was, you know, volunteering. Um, I spent uh, like four months in Budapest volunteering in a, in a hotel, hostel actually. And what's really interesting that all of these volunteering experiences are not just about your professional upbringing but it also has a wonderful personal note and it definitely made me grow and meet people and uh, 
I mean, today, for example, when I go to Budapest, I don't go to hostels, for example, I go to visit friends. And that definitely changes the way you see places. Where are you right now? And what is your plan for the summer semester? Well, uh, currently I'm not in, in Cottbus, as some students are. Uh, I relocated to Göttingen, which is another university town uh, in the Lower Saxony. And um, at the moment, well, I am uh, working for Simona for the tourism class, and uh, I'm planning to uh, yeah, continue working in the upcoming semester as well, though I will be engaged in another project. I also started uh, doing a, a freelance project that's connected to drafting a, a policy for Montenegro. I also plan to, when it comes to my plans for summer, summer semester, I applied for being a volunteer as well as a coordinator for the two projects organized by European Heritage Volunteers. And I also applied for a potential internship that will start in October if I get accepted, uh, which is the Blue Book Traineeship for European Commission in Brussels. So that's something that I'm quite curious to know, will I manage to get in? So yeah, basically just, you know, navigating through these pandemics by trying to do what, what I would more or less normally do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just trying to stay focused on, um, on my field as much as I can. To which European Heritage Volunteer programs did you apply? For summer, I went for two. One is in, in Serbia. It's the Studenica Monastery, World Heritage Site. I applied to be a coordinator there. And uh, I think uh, beside my knowledge, my obvious language knowledge, I think also I would love to see that place again. I had an opportunity to see it uh, once on a cool field uh, trip. And the second one is in Split, in Croatia, and it's dealing with interpretation. And that's something wonderful that, I mean, uh, thanks to Professor Caitlin Williams, I discovered interpretation and uh, I found this field quite uh, interesting and um, I want to learn more. And uh, Split is also a wonderful place to visit. I've been there already, so I, I know <laughs> what I still didn't see there. So that's another motivation. So yeah, fingers crossed that I get in. That sounds amazing, both sides. So thanks. We are already done with part one and we will take a short break and come back in a second. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome back to the second part of our interview with Maria and here we will talk more about the experience of her in Cottbus and Tunisia. Maria, what do you love to do in your free time before the pandemic and now? Well, before the pandemics, I was spending a lot of time uh, dancing actually. I love doing salsa classes and I, I did it before but then I Uh, started doing it again when I was in Cottbus and that was just a, a wonderful way for me to you know let go of an energy but also get filled in with the really good uh, vibes. It also opened me the opportunity to meet quite a lot of people. I also enjoyed being outdoors. That's something that I practice even now. I think pandemics at least when they shut down the restaurants and everything 
you know, you can still enjoy the nature. And um, I currently have a new field that I'm kind of interested in, which is like plants and seeds. And uh, I have a wonderful balcony in my place that I'm hoping to make a little jungle, so to say, with, with all the plants for this summer, because it's turned on the south side. So that's sort of my plan at the moment. And um, since I relocated uh, in Göttingen, I found uh, a university-led yeah, um, NGO, so to say. It's the TEDx Uni Göttingen, and they're organizing the conference for this upcoming October, hopefully. So I joined them and uh, um, I, I watched so many TEDx talks and it would be great if I would manage to help organize one. And um, it's also a great way for me at least to try to meet people, you know, in a new place. So I'm also trying to stay active in that field. Cool. Very, very cool. So what city or place did you like most traveling around the world and in Germany? That's a really hard question. <laughs> I mean, but when I think when I think about the place that gave me the the nicest feeling, um, I always think about Ilha Grande, which is an island that belongs to Rio de Janeiro state, and the island uh, has a really perfect size. And uh, what I loved about it, it's just this general feeling feeling of relaxedness and the fact that like there is no public transportation, so you have to walk everywhere and. Uh, I loved uh, walking through the jungle to different sides of the island and every side of the island literally has a different type of beach, different type of sand and um, I really loved visiting that place. I wish I could stay even longer there. And when it comes to Germany, well, uh, recently I visited Regensburg in Bavaria and I found it quite charming and dreamy and um, I really liked the, the town, but yeah, also this summer, this past summer, I had a I had an opportunity to visit the, the Yasmund National Park and the whole, yeah, Rugen Island where the Baltic Sea is, and that really blown me away. And um, seeing these white cliffs made of chalk, it's 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 just an insane experience. So I would definitely suggest people to to check the island and yeah the, the national park as well what about the culture clashes that you face when you arrive in germany and later moving to spend a semester abroad in tunisia what were uh, the challenges that you faced well i think it's it's hard to compare uh, in a way i don't think i had a big clash of culture coming from montenegro to germany I know a lot of my colleagues that were coming, for example, from Latin America were missing so much the food. But like in my case, like everything that my mom makes at home, I could make to myself because the ingredients were basically the same. The only thing that I sort of felt uh, that was definitely different when I moved to, to Germany was uh, the climate. And not just weather-like, but also when it comes to the people sometimes. I mean, coming from a really warm south where, you know, people are super friendly and outgoing, coming to Cottbus was a bit of a change. <laughs> but I mean, you also learned that the reasons behind that. So you understand why uh, people have specific way of behaving. And when it comes to Tunisia, well, it's it's a really different world in a lot of in a lot of ways. But Again, coming from Montenegro, which is also a Mediterranean country, to just the other side of the Mediterranean, I could find so many similarities. 
like you know the way they take their time to to enjoy it with you know having a coffee or having a really nice meal or you see influences of of you know coming from Italy uh, it's just it's an I wouldn't call it actually a clash of culture it's more like a, a merge of cultures and um, I really love Tunisia because of that because of that specific lifestyle that that they have and uh, yeah I, I really enjoyed my time there and uh, I find it uh, quite upreaching personally in this cultural aspect because yeah I'm not sure would I go there if it wasn't for this exchange uh, semester but it definitely made me want to see more of the of this North African uh, region I mean Africa in general definitely. <laughs> What did you like the most about your Tunisia exchange experience and why would you go there for vacation? I think just being introduced to their whole country was amazing for me. The food is also quite amazing. I mean, I coming from yeah Montenegro, that we don't eat so much spicy food. I mean, uh, for us, spicy is you know a bit more pepper or something like that. And um, but Tunisia introduced me to harissa, for example, which is this really spicy paste uh, made of paprikas that they put everywhere. And at the first, like I couldn't eat it and uh, slowly I got adapted and uh, after I left Tunisia I came home with like three jars of harissa because I couldn't be without it. I also I really like how you know they really live their history every day. You see the way they speak for example in one sentences They speak, you know, they put a bit of uh, French, a bit of Arabic, a bit of English. And it's just, it's such a historical travel through their language. I was amazed by their heritage. I had a chance to visit uh, Roman ruins. And uh, it's just, I also felt a bit sad in a way that like Tunisia is not seen. I mean, they are a major tourism destination, but uh, because of some other concerns, they are not that popular uh, in the world. But the things that they have there are just, I mean, I always urge people to actually visit it because, you know, it, I wish people could see through my eyes uh, what I experienced there. Uh, I also really liked uh, the place where we lived, Le Cram, because it wasn't, It was a really nice neighborhood in the sense that it's a neighborhood where Tunisians live and work. And we were never living in, you know, these richer neighborhoods that also exist. But we were always surrounded by people, you know, have normal uh, life habits in, in, in the town and uh, uh, commuting with the train as well. And um, I loved our... Um, our neighborhood specifically because it really showed us two wonderful places. One of them is like this bakery shop where you can buy perfectly made um, cookies with dates. And the second one was a perfect, uh, one of the best kefteji places that I ever had, which is a really tasty dish with yeah a lot of veggies that are deep fried super unhealthy, don't ever look how many calories are inside, but just enjoy the meal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as I said, I mean, uh, Tunis really opened my eyes. It's not like everything was perfect, but when I look back and reflect on the experience, I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, definitely. If anyone wishes to apply, please let me know. 
Many thanks for giving us all this information about Tunisia. I'm really curious, you know that. <laughs> so we will be back for the third part. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Maria, did you only apply for this Master of World Heritage Studies or did you apply for other programs as well? And why didn't you follow your Master of Tourism? Actually, when I decided I want to get a master degree, I was initially looking for masters in tourism, prison management, hospitality, hotel management. But then I wasn't, I didn't feel like the programs were offering me anything that I didn't knew already. And to be honest, they're also quite expensive uh, for, for me at that point. And, uh, and then I switched to looking more like culture, heritage related. And um, all of a sudden, uh, I found myself at the B2 website reading about the World Heritage Program. And uh, I was also trying to find out more information about it. And they also have like these YouTube videos where students are talking about their experience. And I really felt for the curriculum. I mean, the, the fact how versatile is it and the fact that I could also apply with it with my tourism degree was, yeah, one part of the, the reason why I applied for it. Uh, another part is also the fact that, like, as I said, the economical side was uh, good for me. The fact that, yeah, literally there is no tuition except for the fee that you pay. Yeah, I, I get asked a lot, like, how I ended up in Cottbus, but it was actually, I've chosen my master, and uh, then Cottbus, it just happened to be in Cottbus in Germany, so I never intended to go to Germany. It was just the, the my previous choice of what I want to do led me there. During the time that you were doing exchange in Tunisia, What courses did you like the most? And can you explain us about different categories? Mm. Well, we had four or five courses, if I remember correctly. There are two which I would like to mention. So one was with Professor Azza, which was dealing with marketing strategy and tourism behavior. And she, she did her best to present the class in a really engaging way. And I really liked her teaching skills as well. And the second one was the class, I think it was Geography and Heritage. And we were looking at the, the Roman past of Tunisia. And uh, what I particularly like about that uh, class was that uh, it was filled with excursions. So we got to see The, uh, to see and visit the amphitheater of El Jam, which is also the, the largest Colosseum in North Africa and looks really impressive. It's a World Heritage Site as well. And it's built of these sand blocks and uh, it's considered one of the best preserved Roman stone ruins in the world. And uh, beside that, we also went to Duga, which is archaeological site as well and a World Heritage Site. And they have an extremely uh, uh, well-preserved capital. And um, I mean, it used to be a, a Berber, Punic, and then a Roman settlement. And uh, I think that just opened me the eyes of how rich the, the heritage of the country is. And we also had a really experienced professor who could tell us all the details about it and, yeah, and answer all of our curious questions. So I think you already mentioned it a little bit, but just to ask you again, you are you currently writing your master thesis 
I don't think so. But do you have any topics in mind which you find interesting? Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, I'm, I would say in, in the starting phase for less. I mean, all over my studies, I was always trying to uh, take classes that would help me narrow down my topics. I always knew that like my case study will be related to Montenegro because I mean, it's the place where I'm from. It's the place that I know the most about. And unfortunately, it's not talked that much about it. So I feel in a way it's my obligation to, to put it out there to the world. And I'm quite interested in this triangle of, you know, heritage, intangible heritage and tourism and the way these three fits together. So lately I have been looking because Montenegro did ratify the convention that's dealing with intangible heritage, but... Uh, we still don't have anything inscribed. And I wanted uh, yeah, to look a bit deeper into that and in the way how intangible heritage can be managed in order to safeguard it. Um, as I said, I do have a lot of uh, ideas, but I definitely have to sit down and make it uh, <laughs> yeah, narrow my, my wishes and also be quite realistic because in pandemics, it's kind of hard to write your thesis, especially if you want to do like interviews and, and similar things. So I have to be wise with choosing. Do you have any plans for after graduation? Do you want to pursue further to study a PhD or will get to the job market? Well, I would go for the job market. Uh, I don't, from this perspective, I really don't see myself in pursuing a PhD, but never say never. But I think I'm really uh, looking for uh, a job that would allow me, you know, to Uh, grow even more but also to work with someone who could use my skills so that would sort of be my my plan to to try to find a job that yeah that would be fitting for my skills but also like fitting with my wishes if you could go back in time would you choose this master again and do you see any disadvantages in the program Yeah, I would definitely go for it again. I mean, I think like studying in Cottbus opened me so many doors that I didn't even know that they existed. And it also showed me the way programs can be taught. I come from a really different system where we are more introduced to this. I'm a student, you're a teacher, and we are not that called to think critically but that's what uh, I uh, definitely developed during my studies. And uh, when it comes to disadvantages, I mean, every program has its good and bad sides. So of course, there is always an area for, for upgrade. I don't know, maybe, you know, having, uh, trying to find a more engaging way for the students to participate in certain classes. But I think that always depends from how students are motivated to participate as well as like how lecturers are presenting their material. So yeah, I mean, all in all, uh, I would definitely suggest people to, to try to, to apply for the, for the World Heritage Studies, definitely. So we're already um, done with the third part and we have a question for you, which is quite mean because you don't know it. Um, you didn't know it before. And that is, what is your favorite World Heritage Site and why? That's another hard question for the end. I, I think that I was quite impressed when I visited Machu Picchu. And I think it was more because when I was, I think, a prime, uh, prim primary school uh, student, 
we had this picture of Machu Picchu on our uh, front page of geography book. And I always looked at it and it never crossed my mind that like one day I'll be seeing that image in live. So I think that really struck me when I went there and I was literally looking at that image and I felt like I really accomplished something. And uh, I mean, yeah, everyone knows Machu Picchu. And I was also impressed with the way the site is actually made and learned more about how it is, <laughs> how did I manage to, to create this incredible place. So yeah, if I would have to choose one, I think that one was definitely one that left me naive. Yes, I have visited it before and I feel like you, it was really impressive. So Maria, thanks so much for your great answers and sharing your thoughts and stories with us and um, everyone who is listening. It has been a great pleasure for us to listen to your stories and we hope that the pandemic gets over soon so that you can go to Split in Serbia for the European Heritage Volunteers and, and also that you can achieve all the things you just told us and maybe go to Brussels in October. It was a great pleasure to get to know you a little bit more. Thank you both for inviting me and uh, yeah, I hope my, my stories will be interesting to your listeners. And as I said, if you have any questions about Tunisia, European Heritage Volunteers, or whatever you heard mentioning, please reach out to me and I will gladly guide you to do the same. Thanks a lot. And thanks also to everyone listening to us and supporting us along the way. We have had the pleasure to get to see our classmates and get to know them more. And, and we are happy to share their stories with you guys. Thanks for the amazing feedback and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so, you should also listen to the other podcast with for example, Idil, Bisrat, Shalil, or Helena. For the next episode, we will have a chat with Farzane. She is a third semester student in the World Heritage Studies as her second master after studying a Master of Tourism Management and Marketing at the Alama Tabotabo University in Iran. And she started working as a tour guide in Tehran as well as tour operator in Singapore, South Korea, and Russia. If you're also interested in sharing your thoughts and stories, please feel free to contact us. You can reach us on Instagram under the World of Heritage or email. Thanks again for listening and stay well. Bye!